We are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Royal Grammar School on Guildford High Street, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. We love to preach from the Bible every week. And so if you haven't got a Bible with you today, not to worry. Why don't you grab a Bible by putting your hand up in the air and one of our lovely uh, welcome team will give you a Bible. We've also got, uh, as we go through the Book of 2 Corinthians, some little like booklets that are um, like study guides and you can have one of those too. And Dee has got one of those, so you can grab one of her or grab one from the welcome desk as well. Um, and also, just in case you didn't manage to do any of that, the words will also appear on the screen as uh, Fiona reads. Is everyone there? Um, So 2 Corinthians 12 says, Now this is our boast. Our Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially in our relations with you, with integrity and godly sincerity. We have done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. For we do not write you anything that you cannot read or understand. And I hope that as you have understood us in part, you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us, just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. Because I was confident of this. I wanted to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. When I was fickle, when I intended to do, was I fickle when I intended to do this? Or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say both yes, yes and no, no? But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He is He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I call God as my witness and I stake my life on it, that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Now that we lords, now that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy because, because it is by faith you stand firm. So I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. For if I grieve you, who is left to make me glad but you whom I have grieved? I wrote as I did so that when I came I would not be distressed by those who should have made me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you that you would all share my joy. For I wrote you out of great distress, for I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. If anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent. Not to put it too severely, the punishment is an The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. Another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. 
Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit, outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Wonderful. Yeah, give her a clap. That's good. Well done. Good. So, hello. Good morning. I'm Chris. I get the joy of leading the church here. And um, we are carrying on our series today in the book of 2 Corinthians. And 2 Corinthians is one of those books that you don't often actually hear being preached through. It's got lots of great nuggets, but it's quite complicated. And there's lots of kind of assumed knowledge um, in the book. And so when you're trying to dig in and work out what does this all mean, um, it, it needs a little bit of prior knowledge and a bit of knowledge of, the, of Acts, especially in the books around it. And so uh, in a moment, I'll give you some context. But um, for start off, I just wanted to say that in our passage that you've just read, a lot kind of takes place, a lot happens, and um, and so it's worthwhile me giving you, yeah, that, that bit of background. And one thing is that whenever you get people together, it's messy. Whether it's in church, whether it's in an organisation, whether it's a club, a school, a uni, it gets messy. Why does it get messy? Because people are sinful. And the Bible says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. All have messed up. And this church in Corinth is horrendous. In fact, four years ago, we uh, preached through the book of 1 Corinthians. And, you know, feel free to go back. You can listen to it. It's all like on the podcasts and stuff. And you see just the mess that this church is in. And so Paul, he, having like started it, he goes and he, he writes to them and trying to like undo all the different things they're doing. There's, you know, people involved in prostitution. There's uh, people like having communion together and drinking so much wine they're getting drunk and not letting other people enjoy communion there's all sorts of like difficult practices going on there's one guy who his dad gets remarried and this guy sleeps with his dad's like new wife and so he has to address this and I want to and because people in the church are like proud it's oh look we're full of grace we can do whatever we like and it's like no come on like if we're going to advance in God we need to remember that the grace that we receive doesn't just give us license to do whatever we like actually we're encouraged to step into them what God calls us to this is some of the words that have come through already today there's, there's deeds to be done there's we live for God and so we're obedient and we trust him and so this church is in a mess and and uh there's yeah all sorts of things going on and so this series we've called working through challenging times and so we called the first series in 1 Corinthians, Church as God Intended, as Paul kind of lays out what should church look like. And we even talked through then, actually, church can get quite messy, but these are some good principles to help you build a healthy church, an authentic church. And this book was written one year later. Um, we're coming to it four years later, so a little bit behind. But it was written one year later, and as we encounter, actually, it's still in a mess. Um, and this morning's talk I've said oh I've already said is um, so it's working together in challenging times as the series this morning's talk I want to call God at work amidst the mess 
I want to encourage you, God is at work amidst the mess and we see that coming through this passage and in a moment I'll give you five key ways as, that come, as it comes through. So, But here's a bit of context. So this is actually the fourth letter we found out last week. This is the fourth letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. We have the second letter, which is 1 Corinthians. We didn't have the one before that. And we have this fourth letter, which is 2 Corinthians. The one in between that he wrote has been lost in the passage of time. But we find out in this passage that that was a really difficult letter, that he wrote it through tears and grief and that it it was hard-hitting for the church in Corinth. And the relationship between Paul, the apostle, the guy that kind of set the church going, appointed leaders and got them off up and running and then moved away and had this long-distance relationship, that relationship is quite tricky, It's a tricky relationship, partly because of the bad behaviour of the church, but also because Paul has not done things that he said he was going to do. So if you flick back a page in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, um, it's probably on the same page, but back a page, in verse 5 it says, he says, oh, after I go through Macedonia, so at the end of his last letter, after I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, uh, for I will be going through Macedonia and perhaps I'll stay with you for a while or even spend the winter with you so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go for I don't want you I don't want to see you now and make only a passing visit so I hope to spend time with you if the Lord permits so he's kind of like at the end of one Corinthians saying I'm going to come I want to come visit you but he doesn't do that he changes plans. He ends up not coming. And so you'll you see there's that bit in there where it says, oh, is, is it a yes and a no? And he says, no, no, actually in God it was always yes. His intentions were always to go and see them. It's just that he had to change plans. And because he changed plans, the Corinthian church were like, well, who's this guy? Can we really trust him? Can we really rely on him? If one minute he's saying he's going to come, if one minute it's yes, but the next minute it's no. And so what happens is that these other people come along this is a bit more context. These are, they're kind of super apostles. And um, they're quite well off. They're, they're rich. They're, they're, you know, and the, the Corinthian church, they're happy to give to them. And they start saying things about Paul, like about how much he suffers. Because Paul gets flogged. He gets chased out of different cities. He goes through all sorts of different hardship. And they're saying, if, if the Holy Spirit is really on him, surely he'll be safe. Surely he'll be protected. And no, he's going through all this hardship. But look at us, we're the super apostles. We don't go through all this hardship. That's because God's spirit is on us. And they start weaving in all these lies and this deceit. And so again, and you know, some of these Corinthians, they're, they're like, oh yeah. Like, and they're, they're questioning then Paul's, what, what's going on with Paul. And they're finding it difficult that he's going through this hardship. And so you'll see again throughout the letter Paul, he takes time to say, actually, no, even in our weakness, God is strong. And yeah, I do go through hardships, but actually, when we go through sufferings, we identify with Christ because our Saviour Jesus went through sufferings. How can we, you know, as, just as we uh, are connected through Christ in his glory, we're also connected through Christ in his death. And so just because we go through sufferings, it doesn't mean that Christ has abandoned us and he's encouraging them in this. And there's these great verses about jars of clay. And jars of clay, they're brittle, aren't they? And they can crack and they can break and sometimes. But what they carry is treasure. It's amazing, it's powerful. And so that's why our picture is like a jar of clay to help us to remember these amazing things. And so Paul counters and he's like, no, no, just because we go through suffering, just because it's been difficult, just because I've suffered doesn't mean that God has abandoned me, he's not with me. And so what happens is that some choose to repent and they, they turn to him, but there's a minority that doesn't. 
And again, towards the, uh, there's one guy especially who doesn't repent. He kind of goes his own way, and, and that's listed in there, and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, and he, he encourages them, hey, no, let's forgive him. Let's, let's make sure we forgive him. Uh, the other thing to let you know about, so I've done the letter of Super Apostles. He's delayed his plans. He's changed, changed his plans. We've got the rebellious minority. And the other thing, just to let you know about Corinth. And so Corinth is situated uh, near the south of Greece. And it's this kind of like port city whereby you could sail all the way around the bottom of Greece or you could come through Corinth. And so what would happen is a lot of people, to save a lot of time, would come through Corinth. And so it was a place of like economic wealth and stability, money, lots of money there. It was a place of kind of like educational advance. Lots of different ideas from all around the world would come to it. There'll be different philosophers coming. There'll be, be higher education. There'll be aspirational, economic aspirations through lots of people. It was kind of like a bit of a centre of power. There'd be lots of yeah, theologians and philosophers would go there. And so in a lot of ways, it's a little bit like Guildford. Lots of people like to come to Guildford for the university, for education, to, for economic aspirations, for all sorts of different things. It's a bit of a hub. And so when we uh, looked at this book four years ago, it was good for us to actually just relate a little bit. Oh, yeah, because we see some of these different attitudes in, in our community and it's good for us to be aware of that. And they also came up here because they can lead to all sorts of different things. So there we go. There's a bit of background. Um, so authentic church, walking through challenges, and we're going to learn that as we walk through them, we can see God uh, working amidst the mess. So there we go. So the first thing then I want to point out, so we're going to, what we're going to do is I'm going to pull out five key things for how can we be a church that works through challenging times, how can we be a church that walks through the mess that we can see out of these few verses and they'll come straight out of the passage so you can keep the Bible open with you. And the first thing is that we need to know the grace of God. Know God's grace. You can only do anything by knowing God's grace. So in verse 12 to 14, it says this. Paul says, now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and is, uh, conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relationships with you, with integrity and godly sincerity. We have done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. For we do not write anything to you that we cannot read or understand. And uh, as you will have understood us in part, we have come to understand fully that you can boast of us just as we will boast in you. Why? Because of, in, because of the day that the Lord Jesus has made. What he is saying is that there is going to come a day, a day of the Lord, day of the Lord Jesus, when he comes and he will judge the living and the dead. And when he comes to judge, none of us will come before God and with our earthly wisdom. And be like, oh, check, check me out. Yeah, yeah, this is my property portfolio. This, this is my bank account. This is, this is what I did in society. This, is, this was my job. This is my family and my kids. This is, you know, no, no. We all come before him in integrity and he will list all our deeds and we will give an account. But for all those that put their trust in Jesus, we stand not on our own merits, our own standing, but we stand in Jesus and what he did and what he gave and why he came. We stand in his grace with his robe of righteousness wrapped around us. 
And so as Jesus looks on our life, he doesn't see, see all our sin and our mess, all our shame, all our pain, all our guilt. What he sees is Jesus' perfection, his righteousness. We see his love. He sees it all and he bestows it on all who put their trust in Jesus. Isn't that amazing news? And because we stand in the grace of God, we're able to work through the mess that we find ourselves in. Any, any individual who is in part of any group or any organisation will find themselves in mess. But Christians, you can know this, that because of the grace that God has bestowed on you, you're able to extend grace to others. But you need to know that grace. So the question is, do you know it? Have you, do you know God's forgiveness in your life? Do you know his love on your heart? Do you know that you aren't perfect? Do you know that you've messed up? Do you know that you have sinned and fallen short of his glory? And do you know the saving and powerful work of his son, Jesus? The one who has come and separates your sin as far as east is from west. Who doesn't count it against you. Who comes and saves, but not to condemn, but to give life. Do you know it? This is the God of grace. And when, you know, when... Paul, Paul is saying here, if we're going to boast about anything, because these super apostles, they're boasting about how great they are. They're boasting about how good they are. They're boasting about their track record. They're boasting about how they haven't been flogged and whipped and beaten. And he's saying, hey, if we're going to boast about anything, we're going to boast in the grace of God. We're going to boast in his sufficiency and his work and his power. And so he's saying, my prayer is that, I, that you will be able to boast about me because I stood firm in God's grace and I'll be able to boast about you so that when I come before our King Jesus and our maker on the day of the Lord, I'll be able to say, hey, look, this is Malcolm. Yeah, he supports Liverpool and that's awful. But he knows God's grace in his life. I'm like, hey, look, this is Jeff. Yeah, he's an awful singer. That's all right, he knows God's grace. <laughs> hey, he did great, he did great. It was brilliant, it was brilliant. Jeff, Jeff sang yesterday at the away days. Fantastic. He would be, for each and every one of us, he would say, hey, stood. Maddie, Rahana, Josh, Will, stood in the righteousness of Christ. Knows God's grace. Any church, we need, to know, we need to know this. It's a key marker of what it means to be an authentic church. People that know the grace of God in our lives. Second thing then, is that we understand that sometimes plans change. Sometimes plans change. Verse 15, because I was confident of this. I wanted to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia, as he mentioned in the last chapter, the last book, and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. But was I fickle when I intended to do this or do I make my plans in worldly manner so that in the same breath I say yes, yes, and no, no. This, he's now starting to address this issue because they're upset that he was going to come but then he didn't come. So is it yes or is it no, Paul? What's, what's the deal here? And um, it says actually, where it says in our, in our translation, NIV, um, I wanted to visit you first so that I might benefit you. The ESV translation is, which is slightly more, you know, word for word, is so that you would experience a second dose of grace. So when he says, oh, I might benefit you twice, that's, that's kind of what he's saying. I, I wanted to come so that you experience a second dose of grace. I wanted to visit you because he knows that by connecting together through relationship that they're able to bless one another, that he's able to extend his love and his mercy. But his plans changed. 
for different reasons. Plans change. And the church were upset about this. And then that put doubt in their mind. And so he goes on to say, but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. It's, he's, he's saying, my heart has always been for you. It's not been, I'm going to pretend to come, but really I'm going to fall back on my promises. It's always been, my, my heart's always been for you. Come on, I birthed you, I loved you, I'm for you. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who has preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, come on, you know, these people you know, it was not yes and no, but in him it's always been yes. He, he's just re-establishing himself and he's saying, look, I'm really sorry, sometimes the plan's changed. I know it changed and I know that was difficult and I know that put a barrier between us but I want you to know that it was that wasn't my heart attitude that wasn't what what I wanted for us I wanted to come and visit I just it it went a different way and so I think it's good for us as a church to be aware of that sometimes you'll you'll be part of a church and you 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 think oh well I'm going to end up I'm going to lead this ministry and then the plans change and the leaders appoint someone else to lead it and that can that can hit, can't it? Hit our pride. It can hit our ego. Oh, but I thought I was going to do that. And, or sometimes we're a part of a group and we wanted to do something and then it, the plans changed or we were, the, a ministry was going to start and we were going to be involved, but then that didn't start and we did something else. And throughout church life, I guarantee you, plans will change. And throughout it, your your pride and your ego and what you think, what you wanted to do will end up shifting and you end up doing something else instead. I have gone through that multiple times and I have to remind myself, well, who am I here to serve? I'm here to serve the Lord. And so I I remember for me and Catherine, we had several times in church life um, where, you know, our hopes and our dreams were to do one thing X, but we ended up changing doing Y, or we thought we were going to end up doing this and we end up doing something else. And at that point, it's like, you can get frustrated, can't you? You can get frustrated with the leaders, you can get frustrated with the ministries, you can get frustrated with the things that are going on. But at that point, we've got to go back to step one, the grace of God. Actually, I need to remember that yeah, it wasn't in my plans. Oh, it was in my plans, but actually maybe God is just doing something. He's going to teach me something else through it because he's able to use all things for good for those who love him. And actually, I do believe that um, later on he says, um, which we'll get to in a bit, he says, actually, it was, be- it was because I love you that I didn't, I didn't come. And because if he had come... Yeah, it was, it was going to get messy and difficult because he was going to have to address this behaviour, but he took a step back. And uh, sometimes actually God's grace to us is shifting through pans. It teaches us humility and reminds us who are we here again to serve. And so it's a good, a good marker is to remember things change. Sometimes you're not always appointed to the thing you want to be appointed to. Sometimes the thing you thought was going to happen doesn't happen and we just have to get used to being flexible. Authentic church, working together, in the midst of mess means we've got to remember that things change, plans change, that it happened for those in Corinth. And the good news is that the majority here, hey, they're like, oh, okay, no, we can see that. We can see your heart, Paul, and we're going we're gonna to come back to you. We're not going to go away. Okay, third thing to note. I don't know what I did with my clicker. Oh, it's here. Found it. Third thing to note is that God... God's promises are yes in Christ. If you're going to have a Bible uh, memory verse for today, this is a great one to have. So verse 20 to 22 says this. 
For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And that's good. That's a good, because it reminds us that our plans, or the promises of our leaders, or the plans of the people around us, they change all the time. But God's promises, they are always yes. They are yes in Christ. What does he promise? He promises he's never going to leave you or forsake you. He promises he's never going to give up on you. He tells us that he is a good father that has good gifts. He promises that he will turn all things to good for those who love him. He promises that he, he will be with you. That you don't have to worry, even through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't have to fear evil because he is with you. And he will stand with you and you don't have to fear but you can have faith and you can advance and you can step into the things that he's calling to without fear. Yes, it might take a hit of your reputation. Yes, it might be difficult. Yes, it might be hard, but you can advance in faith, trusting that God is at work, that his hand is on you. And so he carries on. um, Yeah, for no matter how many promises God has made, no matter how many, they are yes. They're all yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. You can say amen to God's promises. All those promises you read through the Bible, you can say amen to. He's not given up on you. He's not given up on the church. And so we can say amen. Yes, I believe God. Your promises are true today, just as they were thousands of years ago. In verse 21 it says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. We don't stand on our own wisdom and understanding we stand on God's grace understanding that his plans change and we stand firm in Christ and it's these verses it's all about God it says God has made the promises that God has made are yes in Christ so through him we say amen now it's God who makes us both stand firm in Christ and then he goes on he has anointed us set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Guarantee of what is to come. You know, um, me and Catherine, we, there's a bit of a running joke through some of our friends because every like two or three years we seem to like move house, buy a new house and through that whole house buying process, selling houses, buying houses, selling houses, buying houses, um, you have to put down a deposit. And when you put down the deposit often at that point in fact always at that point it is before you live in the house before you step foot through the door before you get to experience all that it is to live in this home that you put a deposit down for but you can be sure of this that the deposit means it's yours you haven't received it yet but it's yours and in the same way the holy spirit is like a deposit He dwells in our hearts and though we are not residing with Christ yet, though we do not know all that it means to uh, have no more tears and sadness and sickness and we don't know all the fullness to be in new creation, new heavens and new earth with Jesus just yet, there is a day where that is coming and the spirit in us is a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And so you can have faith, you can be confident that as you step forward that he is with you. You can be confident in his grace. You can be confident in his mercy. You can be confident with his hand on you. And that gives you the power to step forward. That gives you the power to step into the things he calls you to. That gives you the power to even forgive. 
to let go of the hurts and pains that sometimes leaders make when they change plans or, or your friends make or your workplace makes when you thought you were going to get promotion and you didn't get that promotion or your family's mate when you thought you were all going to go on holiday one place and they change the plans you go somewhere else oh it's so frustrating and we've had that happen several times and you know these things in, in our relationships when you thought the relationship was going one way and then it ends up changing and suddenly your relationship is a completely different place to what you thought it was meant to be in all these different areas we can come back and remember where are our feet seated or stood on on God because it's in God who makes us both both all of us stand firm in Christ remember that we're anointed by him filled with his spirit so we can cry out to him if you feel like you've been a bit dry we can cry out to him and say God fill me again with your spirit I'm believing that your promises that you will do that are yes and so I'm saying amen in faith that you will fill me with your spirit I can know your hand in my life I can trust you Lord it's hard being obedient to you but I can trust even in this obedience even in this casting off a sin that actually you will work it to good in my life and I'm going to promise to live for you and love you and serve you There you go. Three. So let's go number four. Fourth one is this. That pausing is okay. Uh, let me explain what that means. So in, let's carry on our, our verse. He says, verse 23, I call God as my witness and I stake my life on it that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy because by faith you stand firm so I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you and so through this so we understand there was this there was this letter sent so there's a year gap between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians in the middle of that there was a, a moment where he was going to go and visit he was going to go and see him instead he sent a letter and he sent Timothy with this letter and that was a really painful letter he, we don't we don't know what was in that letter, but it was painful, painful for them to painful for him to write. He talks later on about writing it with tears, painful for him to write, but also painful for them to receive. It was hard because I guess he's challenging them on their behaviour and on their sin and on and how they're living and how they're how this church is in complete mess, how they're doing doing church. And what he does though, instead of going, because of his love for them, he decides to pause. Probably because it, was, it wasn't going to be a helpful visit. It was going to be difficult. And he wanted to spare them, I guess, of his anger. Spare them of his, his kind of, that, I don't know, all the feelings that he would have mustered up in him. And so, church as God intended. A church that um, is working through challenging times. It's good to be aware sometimes it's okay to pause. It's okay to pause on our, on our anger. It's okay to pause on our frustration. It's okay to pause uh, on those things that are, all those feelings, emotions that are bubbling up inside of us. It's okay to pause. It's, it's kind of self-control, I guess, in lots of ways. And I think for, for Paul, he, he, I guess he was feeling all sorts of different emotions and wanted to address them, but when he came to address them, he wanted to do it, he wanted to do it well. He wanted to do it in person. He wanted to do it in the right way. And so he, he pauses and he says, it's for your sake. It was in order to spare you that I didn't return to Corinth, like as I said that I would. And it's not to lord it over you and say that my faith is better than yours, but actually it's for your joy. 
because it's by faith that we can stand firm. And he's kind of saying to them, you need to rely not on me, but you need to rely on your faith. It's on your faith that you stand firm. Because the reality is, is that leaders will come and go, people will come and go, but what's your faith based on? His faith is based on God's. And so when we go through challenging times, when the church goes through mess, which our church is always going through different messes. If you've, if you've been in a different church, you would know that it's gone through different messes. It will go through messes in the future. Every church since this church in Corinth has gone through challenging times. Not just every church, but every organisation. I don't know one organisation on the planet of this earth that has people in it that doesn't have challenging times. The reality is we all do. And so when we're in this moment, when we're going through the messes of life, I think we, we need to remember that we can see God at work in it. We need to know God's grace, understand sometimes plans change. We need to have humility in that. We need to know actually that God is at work and that we rely on him. His, his promises are yes, and we can trust in him. And sometimes it's okay to pause. Some, in our relationships, in our work, in our church, it's okay to pause. And... Um, he goes on to say in verse 2, For if I grieve you, who is left to make me glad but you whom I have grieved? He's kind of saying, like, I know I've got some tough things that I need to share with you, I need to say to you, but what I don't want to do is to push you away like in my anger because you are the body that I love, that I care for. I'm four. This is this whole the whole first seven chapters of this book is Paul really defending his love for the church, his connection with them. These super apostles that have been breeding all these different lies. He's standing there, and he's defending them. He's saying, No, no, I love you. I'm for you. I'm with you. And if I grieve you, well, who has there is left to grieve? I I wrote as I did, this is the letter that you wrote that we don't have anymore, so that when I came, I would not be distressed by those who should have made me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you that you would all share my joy. For I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. So Timothy, he was the one that took this letter. Paul had written it. Written it and sometimes... Um, there's difficult news to be shared that comes through great tears and anguish and it's difficult, but for Paul, it was done out of love. He, did it, he wanted to share the truth because in, in love and it was hard and it was painful. And, um, but he, he paused his time and he waited and then he came and he, he, he had obviously he wrote down his feelings and he came back to them. And do you know what the thing is, is that people might have done and... You know, as a church, church might be fully established in all these things, in knowing God's grace, in knowing that plans sometimes change, in knowing that God's promises are yes, and standing firm in faith in Him, and in pausing, and yet still things can go wrong. And so, um, still offence can be caused. And so, my last point is that we are called to forgive. So, it, all these things can be great in a church, and yet offence can still be caused. And even in that, we're called to forgive. And so let's, we'll finish off our passage. And it says this, If anyone has caused you grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely. So just to pause there. So there is someone, there is, there's this minority group, which we mentioned before in the context, that 
So majority of the church, they're like, yeah, Paul, we, we trust you, we love you. After this really difficult letter, they turned to him, they invited him to come back and they said, yeah, do come. And obviously he's written a second letter and he did go and visit them as well. And um, they received his apostolic love and input into their lives and his teaching and they kind of repented for going after these super apostles and saying, yeah, um, we... You know, we recognise that even through all the hardships you've gone through, that actually God has anointed you to serve us as a church. And there was someone who obviously hadn't that decided to not do that, and um, he caused grief. And so Paul says, if anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he's grieved the whole body to everyone. Because when one part of the ch- church body hurts, all hurt. When one part of your organisation hurts, everyone hurts. When someone is struggling in the church all are struggling and so he says the punishment inflicted on him by the majority actually that's sufficient so don't you don't need to do any more now instead you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow i urge you therefore to reaffirm your love for him another reason i wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything And so it's just, and I'll read the last few verses in a second, but it's just a reminder that um, even in all of this, offence could be a cause in a church. Church is a messy, and offence can be caused. Even though we know the grace of God, even though we stand in Christ, even though we know that we're all sinners, but we know that we're made righteous by God, that it's possible to do that. And so he says, hey, come on, when one part suffers, we all suffers. And so as far as it's possible by you, we need to be called to live at peace with all mankind. We need to extend love, to reaffirm our love as best we can. We might not always be able to do that, but it's important to reach out as, as we can. And that might mean meeting up. It might mean looking at Matthew 5 principles, you know, going and, you know, if there's an issue between your brother, go and talk to them. Go and chat it out. And, and that might be difficult, but it's good to do. That is the mature thing to do, to talk when you have an issue with someone else. If someone's upset you, Talk to them about it. It's good to pause first. Pause in your anger. Let that subside. Maybe write down your feelings, like Paul's done. And then, all right, let's go and chat. Let's meet up. And if they don't quite get it and don't listen, then Matthew t- encourages us, hey, why don't you take someone else with you? Grab a brother or sister. Go along and chat it through. And let's see if you can come to understand and forgive and have peace with one another. And if that doesn't quite work, well, grab one of the elders and you come and sit down together. When you have difficulties, there's some good godly principles in the Bible in messy churches to go and resolve those issues. These are good things to do. And so, and, um, and he ends up by this. He says, anyone you forgave, I also forgave. And what I've forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I've forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. And here's a bit of a warning. In order that Satan might not outwit us for we're not unaware of his schemes. The reality is, is that division in churches, division in the body of Christ, division in organisation, any kind of group of people, is really what the devil wants. He wants to steal, kill and destroy. He wants to work his way in. And so this is why Paul is writing to this church, because it's been difficult, it's been breakdowns, a messy church. And he's saying, hey, let's just remember, this is exactly what, the devil wants he wants to breed disunity he wants to weave his way in and so come on let's be a people of forgiveness let's forgive in the sight of christ let's forgive in order that satan might not be too clever for us he might not outwit us let's not be unaware of his schemes that's what he loves to do church is messy 
but God works in the midst of mess. And we want to be an authentic church and we want to walk through challenges together. And that means these things. That means knowing God's grace on our lives. It means knowing that sometimes things change. We've got to be okay with that and grow, get to know that. It means knowing that God's promises in Christ are always yes and we can stand firm on, on him and his faith and his spirit. It means sometimes pausing on our anger and our stress is okay, but it's important to then step out and talk it through. If it's something that you can't, you know, you, can't, you haven't been able to deal with, go and talk it through, remembering that it's important to forgive one another we forgive because Christ has forgiven us. He's forgiven us this much. We can forgive others this much, however hard that bit feels. And remembering that Satan is at work trying to divide and conquer. And that's why it's important for us next week to join, do together a week of prayer and fasting, isn't it? To come together, to submit ourselves and each other to God, to pray, to seek him for what he would have for our church as we advance forward in all that he's called us to do. Amen? Okay, let's get the band back up. And I want us to pray. Um, there might be all sorts of different things that God's been speaking to you about for how you want to grow in any one of these areas. Because I, I want us, as we grow together as a church, to be churches God intended, 1 Corinthians, but also to be an authentic church that knows how to walk through challenging times, now trusting that God is out with us, with us through these messy times. It's, it's not easy. Life is not easy. You might have been through all sorts of different difficult circumstances yourself. And actually, we can know these things. First and foremost, we stand in Christ. So let's stand together, shall we? And um, let's pray. I'll pray, we'll sing and worship. And as we worship together, I want to encourage you to seek God. I trust he's already been speaking to you about what business you need to do in your heart before God. Um, yeah. So Father God, we just want to, we thank you. We, I do thank you for this book of 2 Corinthians. Lord, I thank you for the honest, raw material that we get. I thank you, Lord God, that, it's, that we've got this. Lord, we, some of us who like to gossip would have loved to see that that third book the one that came in the middle but actually Lord we are grateful that we have this and uh, Lord I'm, I'm so grateful to you that you've ordained it that this messy church in Corinth that the situations going on there would be written down for us to learn from and uh, Lord I pray that this will be a great blessing to us as a church as we work through this book over this season Lord God that you would help us to grow into all that it means to be an authentic church. That as we walk through different troubling times, different messy situations, actually that your grace would abound on us. Thank you, Lord God, that your grace is sufficient for us. Thank you, Lord God, that whilst we might be these jars of clay, a bit brittle, easy to break, sometimes pieced together, we have cracks all over the place. Actually, we carry a wonderful treasure. Thank you that we have this Holy Spirit in us, this deposit, an anointing, guaranteeing what is to come. Thank you we don't need to be fearful of the day of the Lord, but we can look forward in, in hope, in faith, Lord God, that as we come before our maker that we will be clothed in robes of righteousness help us to believe it Lord help us to know that our sins are separated from us that we can trust in your grace we can trust in your gospel Lord I pray that it will be a marker for our church help us Lord God to know all that it means to live by grace help it to abound in our lives help us to be a people of mercy a people of forgiveness a people of love a people of kindness help us Lord God to talk to one another when we need to to have those conversations to work forward together 
wishing the best for one another, living at peace with one another. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for this book and I thank you for this church. And I pray, Lord God, would you bless us mightily. Fill us with your spirit now, I pray. Lord, for all the different challenges that we face all across this room, Lord, I pray, would you breathe in us. Help us to remember your promises, your promises to walk with us, not to alleviate all the pains from us, but to walk through us in them. Even in the valley, Lord God, you walk with us, you stand with us. And I pray, Lord God, to help us to trust in you, to rely on you, to throw off the sin that easily entangles and to step forward in obedience, to advance in all that you've called us to. Thank you for that word. Lord, we do, we believe it, Lord. We believe you're calling us to step forward. Help us to know where that is and to trust you in it all, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We meet on Sundays at 10am at the Royal Grammar School in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.